What's going on guys? Your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. So great to see you guys again or so great to have you guys listen to me again. I am your host Josh Prebigina here for this joyful ride this weekend UFC 256. It's the last pay-per-view of 2020, the crazy crazy year. That has been the year 2020. But before we get to that preview and the news, I would like to thank you guys um, for listening last week and the week before that and the week before that. I really appreciate all you guys. Um, Please, if you're a listener, new or old, I would like for you to rate this podcast on whatever service you're using five stars And leave a little review. Let us know what you like about it. And if you don't like something about it, let me know that as well. Um, The more you guys interact, the more other people can hear us. Now, that is not my main focus, but still, it is pretty cool to talk to new people. So get on that, please. I really appreciate you guys. Second, teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA podcast. Uh, If you guys order this weekend, you should have your orders by Christmas. So get the hoodie, get the t-shirts, YBE 2.0 logo, EST 19, uh, classic logos in t-shirt form, different colorways, as well as fire hoodies. Grab those, man. The holiday is quickly approaching and USPS is crazy backed up crazy backed up but i believe that if you guys order by this weekend you guys will be able to receive your orders by christmas with all that being said let's get right into the news very very interesting point talking point coming out of the ufc fight night this past weekend was dana white stating that the UFC is going to go undergo major roster cuts up to 60 to 80 fighters. Now that started earlier that day with the UFC and Yoel Romero coming to terms on a release. Um, let's talk about Yoel Romero because Yoel Romero is someone that is very important to my MMA fandom. Now, when I started watching MMA on the regular after the UFC 162, um, if you guys don't remember, the main event was Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman. That was the card where Chris Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva. Just a few short months later, in November, there was a card on Fox Sports 1 It was UFC Fight Night 31, Fight for the Troops 3. And on the main card, (laughs) there was a fighter by the name of Yoel Romero against Hani Marks. Now, I just remember this fight sticking out in my mind because the people I was watching the fight with were so high on this guy and I just... Like, when I saw him, like, yeah, this dude's, like, a physical specimen. But, um, (laughs) I didn't get it until I saw the fight. And this guy was dynamic. He was just on another level. His striking was fantastic. I remember Jay Mendez just kept talking about his footwork and his hips and how, you know, his boxing was so good, but he's this world-class wrestler And from that night on, I continued to follow his career. And that was only his second fight in the UFC. But then he had wins over Derek Brunson, Brad Tavares, the Tim Kennedy controversy, which was also an incredible performance. If you really look back at that fight, besides Stoolgate, that fight was incredible. The Lyoto Machida win, the... Jacare win and then the flying knee 
against Chris Weidman is something that sticks so vividly in my mind. UFC 205, Eddie Alvarez versus Conor McGregor. I was at Chickie and Pete's on Robbins, on Frankfurt and Robbins. The real, real small Chickie and Pete's. It's literally a hole in the wall. Eddie Alvarez's family rented the hole upstairs. Like, the hole upstairs was rented by Eddie Alvarez's family to witness this fight. Probably the biggest check this guy's ever made in his life. Um, but that Yoel Romero performance, I'll never forget sitting at <laughs> a little buzzed at my table. I think I had, like, this was in... November of 2016, I was with the my my girlfriend, now my wife, for about two months and just lost it after he threw the flying knee. I just lost my mind. It was it was so violent. It was such a loud impact. And somebody like Chris Weidman, a win against him at that time was so like so huge. But then he would go on to have the title fight with Robert Whitaker that he lost. Uh, he destroyed Luke Rockhold and then lose to Robert Whitaker again. Um, and then obviously the last two fights being Paulo Costa lost. They say, I thought that fight was extremely close. And then the snooze fest against Israel Adesanya, not his best fight, <clears throat> excuse me, but Yoel Romero is an incredible talent, someone, like I said, that I just vividly remember following his career, thanks to Brother Jay Mendez. Jay, thank you so much. Um, now, with this cut, yes, surprising, but you have to think about it on Dana's end. Dana is signing killers every week when he's running the UFC. Um, I'm sorry. When he's running Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Young guns that are going after it every week. There are people like Adrian Yanez, which I want to talk about later on. And, you know, Sean O'Malley, if, whenever he comes back, you know he's going to be a problem. Alex Perez just fought for a title. Yes, he lost. But this guy's from the Contender Series. These are legitimate contenders. Yoel Romero is like 47 years old. Just kidding, he's 43. But, you know, we think he's 43, but we don't really know. Um, he's on a three-fight losing streak. Um, yes, he's a name, but not a name that the UFC is looking to build their promotion upon, especially at 43 years old. So I think somebody like Yoel Romero can go on go somewhere else, and make a ton of money. I could see it now. Like, they were extremely quiet. You know, nobody was really talking about signing you over Romero, but reports are out as I speak that the talks are heating up from somebody signing you over Romero. Wherever he goes, I believe that he's going to fight at 205. Um, I think it's just better for his body, especially at his age. And this dude, I could see it now. He's going to... He's going to have about a solid five minutes, but that five minutes is going to be fireworks at 2.05. I am looking forward to it. Um, another person who has been cut by the UFC, I believe this is the only other name that has been released thus far, was Rachel Ostevich. Um, not surprising. I think we spoke about that You know, last week. It was either win or get cut for both those girls and uh, Rachel Ostevich unfortunately was the one who lost on that end so yeah UFC major major cuts 60 to 80 fighters in the grand scheme of things that's not that crazy the UFC employs about six to 650 fighters so with that being said I think this is a smart move let these guys go now while there's still time to get signed and make money elsewhere in other free agency slash UFC coming to terms with somebody. Um, we've heard rumblings for the last year, year and a half that Anthony Rumble Johnson was looking to return after his four-year retirement. Um, if you guys remember his last fight against Daniel Cormier, 
title fight. He gets submitted. Uh, at the end of the fight, he retires. Says that he has, you know, some business thing going on. And uh, he ends up, you know, doing some work in a marijuana dispensary, I believe. Uh, that was his investment. And then he did a bunch of, like, bodybuilding stuff. Like, he was real big with Redcon 1, uh, the supplement brand. Obviously, a ton of videos. You know, he wore all their gear. And he got huge. Like, really, really big. Um, but this week, he came to terms with the UFC on his release and signed with Bellator and is looking to fight in the first quarter of 2021 in Bellator's light heavyweight division. Now, this is fantastic for Bellator. Bellator, obviously, in that division have... A bunch of, you know, staple names. Leo Damashita, uh, Liam Nagiri, Phil Davis, Melvin Manhoof, uh, Alessia Sakara. Those are just some older heads. But then they have people like the current champion, Vadim Nemkov. Um, if Ryan Bader wants to come back down and rematch Rumble Johnson, he could do that. Corey Anderson can fight him. Who Corey Anderson, obviously you know, headed to Bellator with aspirations of being a champion. Uh, the meme that he put out himself was fantastic of the kid eating cookies. Somebody wanted to take a cookie and the kid with the cookie saying, I can't have ish in this house. Fantastic meme. Corey Anderson, congratulations on <laughs> being humorous yourself. Uh, but it's true, man. You really can't like, Corey Anderson cannot catch a break. <laughs> but I hope that they make the Vadim Nemkov-Corey Anderson fight before Rumble fights for a title because it does make bigger sense for them to do Corey Anderson versus Rumble. You know, v v Vadim, I'm sorry, is extremely talented, but let's be honest, he's not the biggest name. So if you could do Vadim versus Corey Say that fight is real close. Corey takes it, right? Rumble works his way up. You have Vadim, a very young Vadim versus a weathered Rumble. That'd make more sense because Vadim could build his name off of Rumble. Honestly, I'm not expecting a great amount from Rumble. Like, yes, I'm excited to see him. But he is, you know, four years off of the game, right? He's older now, and the talent now is just off the charts. He's not coming back to the stale, you know, light heavyweight division. He's coming back to an extremely, extremely talented division in Bellator. So that's Anthony Rumble Johnson. That's going to be a lot of fun to see once again. Like I said, I'm not hating on him. I just think that there's better things for Bellator than Anthony Rumble Johnson winning the title at this stage in the game. A big story we talked about last week was Clarissa Shields, uh, maybe the greatest women's boxer of this era, two-time Olympic gold medalist, undefeated fighter at 10-0. Um, she actually signed with the PFL, like we spoke about last week. Well, we found out later that week that she is training at Jackson Wink with the likes of John Jones and Holly Holm. Now, I think this is fantastic. Um, Holly Holm is someone who transitioned from boxing to kickboxing to MMA, so I think that she is the perfect teammate for Clarissa Shields to train with because Holly Holm knows what Clarissa Shields' weaknesses are going to be, and she's going to work that to death until Clarissa Shields is world champion caliber. I think that this is fantastic. Obviously, she's training with John Jones as well, who is, you know, someone's greatest of all time. Not mine. Um, we all know the problems I have with John Jones, but... That doesn't change the fact that he is a fantastic fighter and that I think that he's going to be a great teacher for Clarissa Shields. So Jackson Wink might be perfect opportunity for her. Like, 
I don't think that she could have picked a better gym. Now, here's my issue with Clarissa Shields thus far in her MMA career. Yes, she hasn't had a fight, but she is a signed MMA fighter who has <clears throat> aspirations to fight in 2021. So I think that I am allowed to judge her character thus far. Here's my issue. One, as soon as she signed, she went on Instagram Live and said, you know, she didn't want to take anybody's advice, which, like, I understand in one sense, like, yeah, you want to do your own thing, but damn, that bothers me. Like, bro, there are so many people out there who are looking in, looking into your best interest. Like, some people you have to listen to. Obviously, you need to have some type of discernment yourself to figure out whether that person has your best interest in mind or their own best interest in mind. Um, two, I think that she's just too sensitive at this time. She can't take the heat. MMA fans are some of the pettiest, trolliest fans in the world. MMA Twitter is a real thing for a reason. And Clarissa Shields needs to realize that now and address it immediately because if that's going to get to her, there are way worse things that are going to happen when she fights. So address the listening to fans, replying to comments now, and I think that you will have a more successful MMA career ignoring that. So that's Clarissa Shields. Once again, only week two for her. Uh, I wish her the best, especially training, like I said, with Holly Holm and John Jones. I think that's a smart decision. That's a great start. Uh, I think she's on the right track. The only thing I would like to see her do is ignore the fans. <laughs> um, let's talk about some fight announcements. Uh, a fight that really came out of nowhere earlier this week. Dominic Cruz against Casey Kenny. Now this fight is booked for March 6th. And it is a weird one, you know. Dominic Cruz, yes, he's ranked number 10 right now. Yes, he is coming off a loss to Henry Cejudo in the second round. Dominic Cruz hasn't won a fight since June 2016, but he also has only competed twice since that fight in June 2016. So you can't really judge Dominic Cruz in a sense. Dominic Cruz is one of the greatest Bantamweights of all time. Um, just from his WEC run, obviously, to his UFC run. Look at the names that he's beaten, you know, in his career. Joseph Benavidez, twice. Uriah Faber, twice. <laughs> TJ Dillashaw, Takeya Mizugaki, Demetrius, Mighty Mouse, Johnson. These are just... Legends of the sport, and he's defeated them, you know, multiple times. Um, and to come back after his loss to Henry Cejudo earlier this year, early next year, and fight Casey Kenny, a fighter who is not ranked, is a bit perplexing to me. But I think it's going to be a great fight. I am looking forward to it, and it's a hell of an opportunity for Casey Kenny to fight someone like Dominic Cruz. Uh, if he could get the win, you know, he's on the fast track to that Bantamweight title with a win over someone like Dominic Cruz. Um, another fight announcement, Amari Akhmedov against Tom Breeze. And then our final fight announcement for the week, Marina Rodriguez is stepping in for the injured, not sure, uh, Michelle Waterson against Amanda Ribas. So that's our fight announcements for the week. Let's talk about last week's UFC Fight Night card. Last week, the UFC was in Vegas once again for UFC Fight Night. Marvin Vittori versus Jack Hermanson. Uh, before I get into the fights, though, it was the Fight Like Hell event where the UFC kind of pays tribute to... The, the Jimmy V Foundation, I believe it was, uh, and Stuart Scott. Um, they had a bunch of video packages. I thought that they were all fantastic. 
Uh, they highlighted a lot of up-and-coming stars, which I loved. Um, fighters like Giga Chikadze and uh, Adrian Yanez, who there's something, something so special when I see Adrian Yanez on the screen. I look at that guy and I say, in 18 months, that man will be a UFC champion. I'm sticking to it. I'm going to go back to this audio in 18 months. Adrian Yanez will have fought for a UFC title. Um, Giga Chikatse also is a fantastic fighter. Uh, I think he shows extreme promise, uh, so much skill, uh, maybe a tougher schedule than his counterpart in Hazmat Shemaev, who is kind of like someone that um, they like mirrored each other's career in the UFC thus far. I think that he has had the stronger schedule. You know, Shemaev's people that he fought aren't as, as tough as the people that Giga has fought. So those are two fighters that I think the UFC did a great job in highlighting. Yes, they have crazy emotional stories, but those guys are extremely skilled, and I cannot wait to see more of them in 2021. Now, to the card itself. Again, these fight night cards are extremely slept on. I think this card delivered, over-delivered, way, way more than people were making it seem. I thought that this card was way better than it should have been. Uh, the night started off with a fun fight in the heavyweight division. Jake Collier defeating John Vellante by decision. <clears throat> and then in the featherweight division, we had Ilya Taporia defeating Damon Jackson by vicious knockout. Uh, then the highlighted prelim that night was Luis Smoka defeating Jose Quinones by TKO in the second round. Man, Jose Quinones, I for for someone who has jiu-jitsu tattooed across their chest, um Luis Smoka really put it on that guy on with the ground game and then finished him off with strikes. It was a very very good performance by Luis Smoka. Heading to the main card, uh, something that we didn't get to talk about Three of the fights got scrapped like hours before the car started. The card started. So I believe it ended up being in the end about eight fights, uh, which I think helped it. Uh, my one issue that I had was that they spent so much time in between fights, obviously trying to fill the time. So that was a little rough. But in all, I think the card delivered. So let's talk about this main card. Uh, it started off with one of the most vicious <laughs> slam KOs, Jordan Levitt defeating Matt Wyman by slam KO in the first round. Devastating. Uh, Wyman was down for about three minutes. Um, Jordan Levitt is a character, but I think he is extremely skilled. Yes, Matt Wyman, a little past his prime, to say the least, but that doesn't change the fact that Jordan Levins put on a damn good performance and it got him 50K. Uh, then we had Roman Delice defeating John Allen. John Allen. <laughs> I sound like Brendan Schaub. I just can't pronounce words today. Uh, Roman Delice defeating John Allen by decision. Um, this fight was fun too. Roman Delice, I think, is extremely skilled. Uh, and someone who is supremely confident. Um, but, excuse me, let me get a drink of water. But I think that uh, he needs to tone that down. You can't say, hey, you want me to submit him. And then not even get close to submitting him. <laughs> so, Roman, relax. Focus on the fight. Don't get too cocky. Uh, and I think you will continue your winning ways. He is someone to watch in that light heavyweight division. Then we move on to Gabriel Benitez getting the finish against Justin Janes by devastating knee to the body. <coughs> and he finished off with punches. Excuse me. That was a fantastic performance. Also warranted $50,000. Uh, moving on to the co-main event. 
We had Ovin St. Pru against Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill taking out OSP in the second round, uh, standing TKO. Jamal Hill is someone who was talked about so much after this card. I think that he put on a damn good performance. He was his stand-up is so crisp. He is a fantastic he has fantastic boxing. Here's my issue with Jamal Hill. OSP has so much more experience than him, right? So OSP, I thought he did good work. Um, but again, Jamal Hill just proved to be too much in the end. I think that Jamal Hill lacks defense. I think that there's um I think that he's extremely flat footed. Uh he has to be really careful because a lot of these more dynamic light heavyweights aren't gonna fall for what Jamal Hill was throwing against OSP. And I think that that could be extremely, you know, dangerous for Jamal Hill to go into a fight with, uh, say, someone like Johnny Walker. You know what I mean? And someone as dynamic as Johnny Walker and just get, like, completely obliterated by movement. And I, I mean it. Like, I think that he has to work on his defense a lot more. Apparently, he has a very good ground game. We don't have to see it because his stand-up is so good. But, dude, you got to block. You got to check kicks. You got to keep your hands up. Please. If you listen to anything by me, I am, by way, no fighter, but I've seen a thousand fights. And I'm just saying, please put your hands up and check these leg kicks. Because if you're going into a five-round fight after round two of getting your legs kicked to hell by some of these light heavyweights, you're not going to last to round three. In the main event, Someone coming in on extremely short notice in Marvin Vittori gets the victory against Jack Hermanson. Unanimous decision. Um, a brawl. A great, great fight. Marvin Vittori, thanks for proving me wrong, man. That's why I call these guys out. It doesn't change the fact that he was extremely proud. His claim to fame was that he went to split decision with Israel Adesanya. Well, guess what? You just beat the number six ranked guy in the world. Uh, I expect you... Let's let's actually check. I expect you to be somewhere in the rankings. Um, somewhere pretty high in the rankings right now. And on your way to face Israel Adesanya again one day. Marvin Vittori. Look at that. He moves up eight spots to the number five ranking. Uh, fights that make sense. Marvin Vittori against Darren Till, Jared Cadenier against Marvin Vittori, or if you want to have some fun, get your boy who's fighting this this weekend, if he gets the W in Kevin Holland, and get him to fight Marvin Vittori. That'll be a fun fight, uh, even though I think that he's not going to want to fight him. Uh, he called out Paulo Costa. I think that was a good call out. Obviously, nobody's calling out Paulo Costa nowadays. So, uh, yeah, let's get it. Make that fight as soon as possible. I would like to see it. Um, that was UFC Fight Night. Like I said, extremely entertaining card. Uh, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen it, I would even say go back and watch it. Even though I just told you what happened, it is definitely worth, worth the watch. A lot of devastating finishes. Um, someone to watch in Jamal Hill. Now, I'm not in the best shape, but Jamal Hill, bro, you look like you drink 40s, bro. You got to cut down on the alcohol and, you know, get a six-pack, bro. You're in the light heavyweight division in the UFC. You should be gassed to the gills. UFC 256 this coming weekend, tomorrow night on pay-per-view. Let's start off with some notable names. We have Chase Hooper coming back after his first professional loss against uh, Bruce Leroy. He's fighting Peter Barrett. That's on ESPN Plus starting at 730. Wow. This is another one. I think this is an extremely underrated card. Um, in women's strawweight, we have Tisha Torres taking on Sam Hughes. Featherweight, we have Gavin Tucker taking on Billy Quarantillo. The return of Hanato Moicano against Rafael Faziz. And then the featured prelim, a 
Incredible fight. Cub Swanson against Daniel Pineda. Moving on to the main card. The night starts off on the main card with a banger at heavyweight. Junior Dos Santos against maybe my favorite heavyweight prospect in the game right now, Surreal Gain. Um, This is a showcase for Surreal Gain. I think that he is going to make easy work of Junior Dos Santos. Yes, you shouldn't really count out Dos Santos, former multi-time champion. Uh, Just a legend in the UFC heavyweight division. Goes to war with everybody. Uh, But Surreal Gain is on another level. I'm looking forward to that fight. That is a great fight to start off the night on the main card. Moving on to the middleweight division, we have Kevin Holland against Jacare. That should be a fun fight as well. Kevin Holland, brother, I'm going to say it. I said it when you got the fight against Jack Hermanson. I'm going to need you to go in this fight and prove me wrong because I don't see it. You're ranked now. You're number 15. Show me that you belong in the UFC rankings against top-tier talent like Jacare Souza. Do it, man. This should be a good one. Moving on to women's strawweight, we have the jiu-jitsu monster in Mackenzie Dern against another killer, Verna Janjaroba. This should be a fantastic fight on the ground. I am so looking forward to this fight. Mackenzie Dern is fantastic, but Verna is no slouch. She is great on the ground, and I think we're going to see that on Saturday. In the co-main event, a fight that I'm holding my breath. It is Thursday night. I cannot wait to see the weigh-ins tomorrow. I hope both these fighters make weight. Uh, We had a scare with Charles Oliveira's coach. Testing positive for COVID. He would not be in his corner. But hopefully, Charles, I hope this fight stays together, man. It's a scary one. I feel like Tony kind of, uh, how do I say it? Tony Ferguson jinxed this fight with saying that uh, if Charles Oliveira doesn't make weight, he's not taking the fight. Uh, That is scary, Tony. If you're thinking like that, sounds like you don't want to fight, brother. But I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I hope he comes back. Like the old Tony, yes, I know he's taking a lot of damage. I think it's almost impossible for him to be the quote-unquote old Tony. But Tony Ferguson always comes to fight. Charles Oliveira is a underdog. Like, he is so fantastic on the ground. He has very, very good stand-up. Uh, I think that this fight should be a lot of fun. And in the main event, after three weeks of both of these guys fighting on prior cards... Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. Now, something that I brought up when I reviewed uh, the the prior pay-per-view, UFC 255, when I was making my notes while I was watching the fight, when Brandon Moreno defeated Brendan Royvel, I wrote down for my notes, Brandon Moreno will finish Davison Figueredo. And we will find out this Saturday if that prophecy is true. I'm putting my money on Brandon Moreno. This fight, listen, it doesn't matter who wins. This fight is going to be so much fun. Both these guys are dynamic. Uh, Davison has so much power. And Brendan has, he's just so fast. He's great on the ground. This fight should be a hell of a fight for the flyweight division. I'm really interested on seeing the call out on... You know, whoever wins this fight, I'm looking forward to seeing who they call out. Because in the flyweight division, there's no, like, clear challenger. You know, we have Brendan Moreno, obviously, is the number one contender. Joseph Benavides has fought for the title 17 times, hasn't won once. Askar Asgaroff is someone who is booked to fight Joseph Benavides. I think with a win against Joseph, Askar Asgaroff, should be the number one contender. But that's that fight's booked for, I believe, February. Um, Alex Perez just fought for the title. Alexander Pantoja has had a fight booked with Manil Cape, who we didn't get to talk about, is actually the backup for Brendan Moreno and or Divasim Figueredo. Um 
And then Brendan Royvel, obviously he's hurt. Kai Kara France, we'll see, you know. And we're already getting to, like, the number sevens. So, <clears throat> no clear challenger. Uh, does Divasine go up? Do they just try to bring, you know, Henry Suhudo back? I'm not sure, but I'm looking forward to it. But let's focus on this fight. This fight itself is going to be a barn burner. Uh, I'm calling it Brendan Moreno finishes Davison Figueredo. <laughs> um, there is a Bellator card about to start in five minutes. So I will be back at the main event, guys. Hold tight. All right, here we go. Main event for Bellator for the flyweight women's title. We have Alima Lay McFarlane versus Juliana Vasquez. Um, Juliana is intense. And Alima Lay McFarlane might be the best built fighter on the Bellator roster. They treat this girl like a damn star. You would think this girl was Ronda Rousey. This is her fifth title defense. Uh, let's see if she can defend the title. First round starting right now. Glove touch. Let's see, Alimelay McFarlane looking good. She looks like she's she's ready for it all. Juliana Vasquez has the better stand-up. Uh, she is a judoka, but Alimelay McFarlane's jiu-jitsu is fantastic. Uh, so far, just a lot of respect here. Not too much going on. Juliana Vasquez said that she's not really scared to go to the ground. Um, Big John brought it up. I think if they do go to the ground, she has the the better ground and pound. So Alima Lay re really has to be careful. And her submission game is crazy. But Alima Lay McFarlane is fantastic on the ground. So I don't know if she wants to go there. She's probably going to try to keep this fight standing. Uh, it looks like she's picking her shots pretty well. She She's not just throwing anything. I think she's trying to gauge her range right now. Um, she is the taller fighter. Shout out to Limalay, man. Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey, one of her sponsors. I'm telling you, she's she's a star in this promotion. She feels way bigger than Chris Cyborg. Right, still not too much going on. Nice shot there by uh, Juliana Vasquez. These girls really respect each other. I mean, it's it's the first round, you know, first of five. Let's see how this goes because. I don't want a bunch of dead air, but I don't want to miss anything either. <laughs> yeah, Limalay has got to be careful. Looks like Juliana Vasquez is trying to corner her, you know, cut cut the cage off and try to, you know, put her in a box. She goes back to the center of the cage. Hmm. I don't know, like, Juliana's... She's, she's intense, but she's... She's showing a lot of respect here. I, I mean, she she obviously knows that Alima Lay is is the top of the food chain. I hope I hope that she's not respecting her too much. That it'll cost her. She really should probably just play her game. If she's doing a good job cutting off the cage, Alima Lay shoots, fails.
swinging and miss. Nice shot by Juliana. Alimalay on the defense, kind of backing up. I don't think she likes getting hit. I don't think anybody likes getting hit, but this is rough. The crazy thing is how good Alimalay is. She's the underdog in this fight. So a lot of people really believe in Juliana, which is crazy. Because Alimale has showed zero sign of, you know, lighting up in her career thus far. 11 wins, 10 in the Bellator cage. Anybody who's really watched her Bellator run has, has oh, ooh. Juliana hitting some nice shots in the last 10 seconds. And there, break. Yeah, feel out round, nothing crazy. Be right back for the second. There goes round number two. Touch gloves. Yeah, I would like to see uh, Juliana get a little more aggressive. I feel like when she pushes the pace, you know, Limalay on the defense is scary. Her, her feet kind of get tangled up. I think Juliana could catch her. I would like to see Limalay probably shoot for another takedown again and see if she can get her down. I'm, I'm curious how that changes in the game. So far in this second round, you know, Alimalay looks like she's trying to push forward with her striking. So let's see. Oh, oh, wow. Nice counter jab from uh, Juliana Vasquez to Alimalay. She, let's see. This is what I'm talking about. You know, Juliana Vasquez, no matter what, her hands are always up. I love that. Ooh. Nice jab from Alima Lay. She, she has to work hard to get in there. Maybe she should close the distance a little more. She might have to fight a little closer. If she's going to want to finish this fight. She can't really, you know, she's she's six feet apart. She's social distancing right now. <laughs> The weird thing about Bell, do they have a crowd? It's uh, I can't tell if that was just an illusion from earlier in the night, but there's like a ton of people around the cage. All right, Juliana getting a little aggressive, trying to cut the cage off. Malay pushes her back, back to the center of the cage. Looks like Alima Lay is pushing her towards the cage now. Oh, there she goes. She shoots in the scramble right now. They're they're tangled up against the cage. Oh, Julian Vasquez is holding the cage. That's illegal. Um, <laughs> and not for the benefit of herself. Get them fingers out the cage. Come on, Julian. Ref's not looking. Gotta do better than that, dude. Alima Lay trying to land some knees. Juliana lands a knee of her own. Them knees gotta kill. Uh, Juliana does have the underhooks, so she's the aggressor, but she's trying to block some knees. So if she could pick her one arm up. Oh, no. Okay, so she has one underhook, and then the other arm is out of the picture. She's okay. There we go. They're, they're probably going to break in the next two seconds. It looks like Alimalay is trying to take her down, but uh, Juliana seems like the stronger of the two fighters. Juliana with her back against the cage right now. If Alimalay breaks, I would like to see a nice elbow on the break. She does have slicing elbows. We saw what she did to Vita Ortega a few fights ago. That fight ended with that strike. <laughs> I think she needs to create space again. This is a dead position. Um, 
Not a bad shot, though. She is controlling. But you never know nowadays how, uh, how the judges score these fights. How important is control versus, you know, strikes thrown? She is throwing knees, though. She's keeping busy. Uh, looks like she's trying to tangle up the leg. And she takes her down, but Juliana's on top. So she's got to be careful with the ground and pound. She, uh, here we go. Juliana's trying to get her arms around. But uh, Malay has a good position. She's trying to, you know, keep nice and close, high and tight. That's what she's doing. She's holding on to her neck. This is smart, but she, you know, she's not going to be able to get any work off. She's just playing more defense right here. But she's doing great because Juliana can't get any ground and pound off, which is devastating for... Um... That's the round. Um, I'm going to say right now before we uh, stop until the third round, I'm going to give those first two rounds so far to Alimale. I think the first round, uh, she was a little more active. And then the second round, obviously, she controlled most of the round uh, up until the end. You know, the, the whole two rounds so far have been Alimale's rounds. Start of round number three. Same thing, like I said in the second round. If Juliana wants to win, she's going to have to push the pace. She's going to have to thwart those takedown attempts from Alimale. But Alimale looks great in this fight thus far. Uh, very defensive. I know it's not the most exciting, but, you know, she's the champ. She got to do what she got to do to defend that title. Uh, she defends tonight. She She makes history, you know what I mean? There she goes. This is uh, Ali Malay circling. It looks like Juliana's trying to cut off the cage. She hits a nice jab there. Ali Malay goes for the takedown. She gets sprawled off. Come on, Juliana. You got you to gotta do something here. You're not going to win the way you're fighting right now. Because Ali Malay stays busy. As a wrestler, Ali Malay... <laughs> You know, looks like the more dominant fighter without having to strike all crazy. Now, Alimale is pushing the striking, but ooh. So Alimale goes for the ankle pick. Juliana is throwing vicious strikes, trying to get her off. Alimale is relentless. She falls. Juliana's got her pushed against the cage. It looks like Juliana has cut Alimale on her eye. Uh, she's bleeding. I don't. I can't tell how bad it is. I don't know if it's the side of her eye or her eyebrow, but it might be pretty bad. If if oh, Juliana makes space. I think she smells blood. Oh yeah, nice jab by Juliana. Uh, it was a it was a clash of heads maybe um, that cut Alimale on that takedown attempt. Ooh, nice uh, <laughs> nice jab once again. Juliana's got a sharp jab. There she goes. I think that's the first kick she thrown. She might need to throw more of those. Um, Alimale pushing forward. Juliana hits her with a counter jab. Leg kick from Alimale. Nice inside leg kick. Oh, that cut is bad. She's bleeding a lot. Um, I wonder if that's going to bother her vision at all for her takedowns. Juliana's got to cut the cage off because Alimale's circling really well. Juliana throws a lot of fakes, but here's the issue with a lot of fakes. You know, you kind of have to eventually throw a punch. <laughs> 
every time Alimale throws in, you know, goes in to try to strike, Juliana has a nice counter for her. It looks kind of annoying. You can see the frustration on Alimale when she eats those shots, too. You can read her like a book. Center of the cage. Alimale shoots in. Juliana moves over. I think Juliana notices that if she cuts off the cage, uh, pushing Alimale against the cage probably doesn't work in her favor because Alimale has a really good clinch game. So she's going to try to stay away from that now, uh, stay in the center of the cage and hope to just catch her, it seems like. But she's throwing solid strikes now, but Alimale is, you know, still on her feet. Ooh, nice shot from Alimale. Little left jab. Circling. Yeah, the distance is is killing me. Like they're they're so far apart. It's it's like they're both nervous to try something. I think. Oh, nice nice step up knee from Juliana at the end of the round. Alima lays cut on her eyebrow pretty bad. Um, I don't I don't think that the doctor is going to stop the fight or anything. But I think a way better round for Juliana. Uh, I think she she won that round. Oh, okay. So they just showed the replay of what happened with Alimale. She ran into the cage, <laughs> and that's how she got cut. It wasn't a, any certain strike. It was uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Ooh, real nice knee at the end of the round from Juliana. Um, but Alimale still on her feet. Very good. Good, fun, action packed in quotes round for this fight thus far um still 2-1 i give juliana that round but uh alimale still up two rounds so two to one right now going into the fourth that fight that i'm sorry that cut on alimale's eye is pretty big but it looks like the doctor got it done uh it's not it's not dripping, but I think one strike from Juliana could open it right back up. Here goes the start of the fourth. Juliana looked like she has uh, something to prove. Let's see if she can uh, keep that up. Wait, what? Okay, Big John just showed his scorecard. Uh, for the first three, he has Juliana winning. I do not see that at all. Um, wow. I wonder. I'm curious how the judges are. Are scoring this now I'm not the best at this scoring but I think in the first two rounds Alimale did enough to win <laughs> um, those two rounds with her takedowns with her pressure uh, I don't I I want to see the strikes landed because you know I know the numbers were close in that first two rounds but uh, Seems like Alimale is bleeding now from her nose in the fourth round. Let's see what she could do, man. If if they're really scoring this fight, if if they're scoring this fight for Juliana, I am surprised because she hasn't really done much here until that third round. You know, one counter strike here and there doesn't do it for me. Uh, the pressure from Alimale, you know, on takedown and stuff, kind of kind of is more important to me. But Juliana looks good in this round, but so does Limale. She's she's pushing forward. Uh, it's tough. The range, you know, is kind of killing her. She's she has to close the distance because it's not it's not in helping in her favor. Every time she jumps in, she's eating a counter strike from Juliana. Those are gonna start to pile up. You know, your head can only take so much damage. Yeah, Juliana is extremely confident as a. Uh, Goldie said. 
But she's got to be a little more active for me, man. I'm not a fan of this style, you know? You got to do a little better. Whew. Alimale is leaking from that nose. I don't know what it was, but she is bloody. I got to see if they show her face. I wonder if she broke her nose. That's going to suck. That's going to be rough when she's breathing out of her mouth and eating jabs from Juliana in that fifth round if we make it there. We got two rounds left, or two minutes left in this round. Sorry. Oh, good takedown from Alimale. Two minutes left in this round. She's, uh... Juliana's trying to work her way back up, but Alimale's got a nice leg lock on right now. Her, uh, ooh, she's she's hitting her with some nice strikes against the cage. She's she's trying to. She's trying to get a little top-heavy to kind of flatten out Juliana right now. Ooh, nice shots to the body. Ooh, Juliana's not even moving. Come on. You should have kept hitting the body. Whew. She can't take many of those. But Juliana's got a little blood on her face, but I don't think it's hers. <laughs> I think it's Alimale. Ooh, nice strikes from Alimale on this ground and pound. Juliana's kind of just taking it, but like I said, you can only take so many of those shots unanswered. Uh, she looks like she's trying to work her way back up. She's got she's got one of her legs almost loose. Alimale still still controlling her on the ground, ground and pound. Juliana has zero answer for those shots. She's barely moving. She's kind of just eating them. She's got 30 seconds left in this round. They're not the most devastating shots, but man, these are unanswered shots. You know what I mean? Straight to the ear. Hit that body again. That body shot was, was very, very good. Shout out to Limele. I can't believe that <laughs> Big John scored those first three rounds for Juliana. Whew, these are devastating shots. Good, good round for uh, for Alimale, especially that last two minutes that she took her down. Good job. Here we go, fifth round. Uh, I have it three to one in favor of Alimale McFarland. But uh, yeah, I'm not going back on that. That's how I have it. How I have it right now, going into the fifth. Here we go, glove touch. They meet in the center of the cage. I think Juliana needs a finish, but that's just me. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know what these people are seeing in those first two rounds to give it to Juliana. I don't even think she... Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, Big John. Come on, man. It definitely wasn't a 10-8 in that fourth round. But that last two minutes was as dominant as it gets for Limale. Uh, it looks like she's trying to go back to the well because she knows that uh, Juliana's kind of not going to fight it once she takes her down, which is crazy to me. Limale's got her against the cage. They're tangled up right now. She's trying to get her down. You're not, you're not going to give a hip toss to a judoka, dog. Alimale is going to have to create some space here. Just, just abort. Yeah, 10th Planet's uh, Ricky. Ricky um, Reyes, I believe his name is. What's his name? The one with the big beard and the gauges. He's uh, in Ali Malay's corner. 
Yeah, Limelay's really got to create some space. This is not. This is not what's gonna win you the fight. Abort, meet in the middle, and try again. Just trying to get the underhooks. But there's a clear strength advantage with Juliana. Juliana still looks fresh. But that's because she hasn't really done much in these five rounds. Somebody gets down. Juliana's on top. Um, Ali Malay, once again, high and tight. We're halfway through this round. Two minutes and 40 seconds and counting. Juliana's going to have to hit some ground and pound, I think, to win this fight. Um, there she goes. She's swinging. She's got to create some space. Alimale is pretty good from the bottom. She's trying to work her leg up. And the body lock. Juliana's trying to get those hands free in hopes to get some ground and pound off and finish this round off. Um, but Alimale is working, trying to get out of there. There she goes. All right, Juliana creates some space, pushes Limale's head back towards the cage. Uh, still no strikes, still working to try to get her one hand free. She's using her head a lot as the... Uh, she stands up. Here we go. They meet in the middle. And Alimale gets the clinch once again. Juliana trying to thwart her. Alimale goes down. Here goes uh, Juliana's got the underhooks. She's just trying to get Alimale off of her. Alimale working to try to get the takedown once again. 55 seconds and counting. Juliana just stuck. Thirty five seconds. Still in the clinch. Nothing crazy. Thirty seconds. Twenty seconds. Knees, foot stomps. Still in the clinch. Ten seconds. All the pressure was on Ali Malay for this fight. I don't know if she delivered her best performance. Oh, Juliana gets the takedown right at the end of the round. Oh. Man, I don't know how to score this fight. I still say three to two, Ali Malay over Juliana Vasquez, but I'll be back for the decision. 52 strikes landed by each fighter. Uh, punches landed 36 for Ali Malay, 40 for Juliana. Four takedowns for Ali Malay to Juliana's one. Five kicks from Ali Malay to Juliana's one. Hmm. Let's see this decision. I'll let them say this decision. Ladies and gentlemen, having gone the distance in this world title fight, we'll go to your judges' scorecards. Your first judge, Sal Tomato, scores it 48-47. Michael Bell sees it 49-46. to And Judge Brian Minor scores it 48-47. to all three judges have it for the winner by unanimous decision. And now the new Bellator I don't see it. What fight were they watching? I don't see it, man. <laughs> Let me just say that I'm not looking forward to the Juliana Vasquez flyweight title reign. Um, I think Bellator goes right back to that match once again. Uh, listen. 
It wasn't the most entertaining fight. It was a very hard fight to score. Um, but maybe I watched a different fight. Because, yes, I gave her two rounds. Uh, but I, those first two rounds, I don't see dominance. You know what I mean? Like They were like, oh, she dominated the first three rounds. I'm like, how the hell? I know that third round, she definitely dominated Alima Lay. But the first two rounds, there was barely anything going on. Um, but it's okay. It happens. Everybody has their own opinion on how to score a fight. And how they scored it, I do not agree, but it's okay. This has been another episode of Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prepigini. You can find me on all forms of social media. Elroy preps in one word. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.